Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Scott Croft, who is the vice president of public affairs for Boat US. And we're going to be talking about some substantial dollars that have recently been allotted for some grants to help boating infrastructure, which is really exciting news. Before I do bring in Scott, though, I want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. What an awesome opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you were um, an integral part of the event that happened last Friday in Yorktown, Virginia, where a good bit of money was doled out for boating infrastructure. Tell us about that event. What happened there? Sure. Well, we partnered with the Department of Interior and Secretary Ryan Zinke. What happens is about this time of year, every year, and people should know that uh, boating grants uh, happen every year. So if you don't get in on them one year, you can always look down the road. So they released the uh, boating infrastructure grant funding for this current grant cycle, which includes some projects around America as well on the Great Loop route. And what we were there to do is talk about what was going on with the big grants and present uh, about 14, a little over $14 million in projects for local communities marinas, uh, municipal waterfronts to attract uh, that, that local, uh, excuse me, attract that visiting boater to come in, spend the night, uh, and enjoy the local attractions, have a, have a meal at a restaurant, uh, take a shower, see a historic site. So uh, that day was to celebrate uh, uh, the, the funding cycle that, uh, that finally released these funds. And these are funds that really are, are your listeners' funds. Uh, the Boating Infrastructure grant program began about 1998 and back then there was this program that took uh, monies paid by recreational boaters and anglers to give back to what they were doing on the water so it, it, it was it was basically designed as a user pay uh, user 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 pay user benefit program where uh, projects such as fish restoration um, uh, boating safety efforts on the local state level um, infrastructure in, in some respects as it relates to navigation aids with the Coast Guard and all that money was being uh, gathered through excise taxes uh, basically on motorboat fuel taxes a big chunk of it almost two Two, th uh, three, sorry, three quarters of it, as well as uh, what we pay on angling uh, equipment, tackle, fishing tackle, and a little bit of money paid uh, on, on boats that are being imported into the U.S. But thank goodness uh, the U.S. exports many more boats than it imports. And it takes this money and basically gives it to Fish and Wildlife to distribute. And there's a, there's a group of folks, a, a partnership council that gets together and looks at how they want to spend it. Well, back then, in 1998, we had boaters calling Boat U.S. saying, I, I, I got a boat. And, and these are the kind of boats that your listeners have. They're boats that are larger than 26 feet. They have sleeping uh, accommodations. They wanted to, these folks wanted to go someplace on a weekend, on a week's cruise, uh, and they couldn't find a safe place to tie up. And, and, and they needed things like simple things like protection, you know, from the waves. They, they wanted some of basic amenities, water, electricity, perhaps a safe place to uh, go to the restroom, uh, a shower, uh, laundry facilities, uh, pump outs. The, the, these kinds of facilities, believe it or not, that 98, 98 was not that long ago, they were, they were sort of few and far between. 
And so Boat U.S. realized that, hey, motor boaters were paying a significant portion of that fuel tax. Let's give some of them back directly to them in a program. So we coined the term boat US, boat, Boating Infrastructure Grant, and, and we took a percentage of that money that is now today the Boating Infrastructure Grant Program that gives back to local communities to take some of this money. What it does, it, it, it takes that excise taxes and motorboat fuel taxes and partners with local communities to – develop, maintain, renovate, uh, construct these kinds of transient boating facilities. And the key is all these facilities have to be for boats 26 feet and larger. They have to spend a, a, a no more than 15 nights. Basically, it was money that was understood for the traveling, cruising, visiting boater. It wasn't meant for uh, uh, for you know for permanent for folks for, to build permanent dockage for the local folks. It was for like I said before, it was it was folks doing the Great Loop. It was folks like me who wanted to take my family down the river or up the coast and couldn't find a, a good place to tie up during a week. And today. Millions of dollars, hundreds of projects, and on Friday they just released another chunk of money, 14 million, to a, a bunch of projects, and about four or five of them are on the Great Loop. And it's you know it's turned into. I was talking to some folks at the event, and what it's really turned into, instead of a user pay, user play, it's user pay everyone gains. Local communities have really thrived, especially small towns, where. They would just see the dollars float by on that nice, you know, Marine Trader, great, you know, Grand Banks, all these folks going on the Great Loop or going on the weekend cruise. That money now stops. That money is now injected into the local economy. So the local waitress who's serving you breakfast gains from it. The the marina that's selling you fuel gains from it. The taxes that the local county counts on to maintain their parks get some of it. So really, uh, you know, in the bigger picture, Boaters are paying for it, but we're really making an economic impact on these towns, and these towns have really rolled out the welcome mat. Right, it's they wonderful. really have, and I think, yeah, we've seen a lot of towns that have really ramped up their efforts to attract boaters um, because many of them are realizing that if they can get those boaters to come and tie up for a few days, that there's significant benefit and everybody wins. Um, yep. So we're, we're seeing a lot of that, and we love it, of course, and it's it's bringing a lot more loopers to the table and giving them the ability to find places to tie up and feel comfortable doing that as, as they're going around the, the route. So you mentioned that it's yep. funded by excise taxes and by fuel taxes, um, which makes yep. perfect sense um, because as you said, user pay, user benefit, and also everyone yep. gains. Um, so that's how it's funded. What types of projects uh, can these grants go towards? I know that there's, I, I guess, two levels of grants um, right. through the big program. Right. Tell us a little right. bit about so that. Yeah, so there's basically two tiers. There's a non-competitive tier that gives out a smaller chunk of money. That's up to $200,000. Those are, I, I, for, for, for folks out there, I call those quick hits. I call those things that don't take a lot of, they're not, they're not major, major projects, and they're non-competitive, so um, it's, it's easier to apply for. Your chances of getting them are a little greater. Um, then there's the Tier 2 projects. Uh, tier 2 projects fund up to $1.5 million. Those are competitive. Both programs will fund up to 75%. So you do need some matching grant funds. In, in my own hometown on the Great Loop, I live in uh, on the Hudson River, uh, Shadowmuck Yacht Club was one of those that just put in 40 transient yacht uh, transient boat uh, slips, and so so loopers going up the or down the Hudson can stop in, and and they partnered with the state and the county and the town to pitch in that extra 25%, and they basically pulled off a it was a million dollar 
uh, expansion of their marina. And they were very creative. They, what they did is they took some floating docks and they put them out in the water. So in essence, those floating docks protect the entire marina, but they gained 40 transient slips. So this round, that was, a, that was a, a project that began a few years ago. This round of funding, there's about four or five of them uh, that, ha, that got a, a good chunk of money out of this boating infrastructure grant program. In uh, Ottawa Beach Marina in Holland, Mar um, Holland Michigan, they've gained, they're going to get 26 transient uh, slips um, uh, and, and, and a new boater services building. And they want, they want to provide amenities like showers, restrooms, laundry, and lounge space where they currently don't have. They also want to add things that boaters need, like Wi-Fi, electricity, and water. So they're getting about $671,000. Sorry, my apologies, 642000 and they're matching another 671. It's It's a $1.3 million project up in Holland, uh -huh. Michigan. South Carolina really gained a lot. They got three, pro, three big projects, uh, Tier 2 projects, approved this year. Uh, one of them was at Georgetown Landing Marina in Georgetown. They're going to install a new 250-foot by 10-foot wide floating wave attenuator, much like my friends uh, on the Hudson. River at Georgetown Landing Marina, and that's going to uh, allow 52 slips that they cannot use right now to be used and dedicated to transient boaters. At uh, Harbor Marina in, uh, in Charleston, or Ashley Marina, I think the locals may call it, um, they're going to build a side tie dockage, uh, about 2,000 feet of it, with a restroom and floating docks. And uh, that's going to be constructed at the Harborage at Ashley, also known as Ashley Marina. And that's uh -huh. all going to be dedicated to transient boaters. That's a total project of about $2.2 million. The two others down there, the other, the others at Mel sorry, one, one other, Melrose Landing Marina at uh, Dofus, uh, Dof I can't pronounce it, Dofusky Island. Dofusky. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dof thank you. Thank you for the local <laughs> sure. knowledge. Um, yeah. uh, the, 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 the Polarius Group, and I mentioned that's a marina operator, so these grants are not only for municipalities and public uh, agencies, but they're also marina operators need to know they can get in on this grant funding. They're going to replace uh, a marina floating dock system at Melrose Landing Marina with a flexible side tie dockage, adding 23 transient vessel slips. Um, and they're also going to replace some marina utilities and, mar and a marina fuel system. That's about a $1.3 million project. These are significant, mm -hmm. significant projects. It's not just putting a, you know, a Band-Aid on an old thing just to get somebody to come in and spend some money. These are really – they're making world-class transient facilities for people to have a great time, safe time. And, you know, we're all boaters here. We want to – we, we got to keep our boats protected. That's the first thing we look at when we want to tie up someplace. Is my boat going to get dinged up by waves? Is it going to be safe at night? That's what this big program does. It really puts out the welcome carpet. Right. And my local experience happens to be in Charleston, but I can say that having more transient slips here is very much needed. Um, we lost some due to Hurricane Matthew back in the fall. And this spring, as loopers came through, I know of several who actually um, planned to stop in Charleston and wound up having to bypass it because there were no transient slips available. Um, so that is good news that that's coming here. And I'm sure there's several other towns, um, Holland, Michigan, as you mentioned, um, but also other places along the Great Loop route that hopefully yep. over the next several years we'll be able to plan and implement some additional projects like that and get them funded. Um, so who can apply for grants? You mentioned it could be um, a public or yeah. a private. 
Yep, public or private. So, uh, so if you have a local boat club, marina, a municipal marina, anybody can apply for this money. It's not restricted in in in, in who owns the facility, as long as you're willing to uh, attra- you know attract that transient boater. This program is for you, um, and it's every year. You know, people think, oh, I lost out on the money this year. No, you didn't. This this program's been going on for 20 years, and it's going to go for the next 20 and beyond. So, if what I tell people though is, you know. What you have to do is first go to your local state boating law administrator. Uh, every state has a has a marine agency, a, a boating agency, and we call those uh, folks boating law administrators for the state. We have a place, a website, where you can go and if you need the contact information at boatus.com slash gov slash B-I-G dot A-S-P, and I'll repeat that in a second. Uh, mm-hmm. SOBA, State Organization for Boating Access, that's another good website, soba.org. They all have contacts for the state boating law administrator because the states all administer the grants. They're the pipeline. They're the funnel it has to go through. So you technically, if you're partnering with the state who's administering the funds, making sure the project is approved, making sure uh, you know they work with you to make sure the project meets the mandates of the big program, and then it's all sent off to Washington. And as we said before, the non-competitive ones are, are sort of easier to get. They're lesser money, to up to $200,000. Uh, this year, I think there was about 10 or so Tier 2 competitive grant uh, programs, the four that I just mentioned on the loop. Uh, those, 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 those you can get up to $1.5 million. Uh, you do, again, have to have matching funds. Uh, they need a minimum of 25%. Matching funds from the local area, from the state, from the county doesn't make a difference. Can be a can be the marina owner if they so choose, but uh, but it's a really you know it's an awesome public-private partnership that really works. I got to tell you, uh, there was there was a gentleman from South Carolina uh, that I was at this meeting on Friday, and he was telling me, you know, there's some towns along along the shore that really, you know, had lost uh, a lot of their, their folks. These are small towns that don't have a lot of industry. They don't have a lot of jobs. But every summer, every summer, because they have a safe place to tie up, these towns come alive, and these towns have responded with events. They know the boaters are coming in now. They know the boaters are spending. So they have music events. They have entertainment. You know, the waterfront is becoming alive again and, and, you know, i got to tell you, it's because of voters stopping and spending. But if you don't have that safe tie-up, no one's going to do it. That's 100% true. And um, Paducah, Kentucky is actually a great example. And I believe they received some grant money a few years back, and they're almost completed with a project to create a transient facility that will really be key for loopers um, because it cuts down the distance that you have to be able to travel between fuel stops from about 250 miles to about, 200, um, which for some people makes the difference of whether or not they can do the Great Loop in the boat that they have without carrying fuel bladders or something like that aboard. And there's lots going on in Paducah that the boaters just never had the opportunity before to stop and see. Um, So great example of some of these smaller towns that uh, really have a lot going on and are really trying to welcome boaters. So we love seeing that. Um, And then lots of thanks to Boat US for really kind of spearheading this program when it got started a few years back and continuing to uh, do everything that they can to make sure this public-private partnership works well, and we appreciate that for sure. We're going to take a quick moment and listen to an ad from one of our sponsors. Since we have some time left, we're going to come back and we'll talk about um, some hot topics that people always wonder about on the Great Loop. Um, So Scott is going to share with us some information on electric shock drowning and also crime out there on the waterways because, of course, that's something that is always a concern. So we'll be back in a moment. 
Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by both the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob? Use them to plan your Great Loop cruise and learn about the places you can visit. In the cockpit, important navigation info is always ready at your side, plus marina listings, anchorages, services, and so much more. Each Skipper Bob and Waterway Guide is updated yearly, and waterwayguide.com and skipperbob.net keep you current with navigation alerts, cruising news, fuel prices, and special deals. With the Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob at the helm, you'll always be on course. Order yours today at the AGLCA ship store at greatloop.org. Waterway Guide and Skipper Bob are proud sponsors at the Admiral level with AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Scott Croft, who is the Vice President of Public Affairs for Boat U.S. Scott, while we've got access to you today, um, of course, Boat U.S. as well as AGLCA are are very strongly focused on safety out there on the waterway. So a couple of kind of hot topics you mentioned when we were talking before we started the, um, the podcast here were electrical shock, shock, excuse me, electrical shock drowning and some of the, the crime that is happening, unfortunately, on the waterways. So tell, give us an update on those topics, what's going on out sure, there. Sure, sure. These are, these are definitely current events that's going on, and I think it's everybody. It's a good reminder to share this with every, everyone out there, whether you're a looper or not. Uh, back in June, there was two, two fatalities, one of a, a young girl in New Jersey and a, and a, and a teen, a 19-year-old man in Ohio, that uh, unfortunately passed due to electric shock drowning. And, and I think a lot of the folks Folks that are listening to the show are, are aware of it because we all use uh, shore power, uh, and, and shore power can potentially be part of that issue. Uh, specifically, the 19-year-old in Ohio, what had happened was a gentleman had uh, noticed his, his, his family in distress. His dad, uh, a dog, and, and one of his brothers were in the water experiencing some electrical shock, and they weren't quite concerned, uh, didn't, didn't quite know what was happening to them, so the 19-year-old jumped in to save them. Unfortunately, he died uh, as a result of uh, uh, electric electric shock current in the water. Uh, the young girl was a different case where she actually got electrocuted by touching a dock uh, part, uh, a lift that had, a, had an in, incorrect wiring. They can both affect anybody. Um, and, and what I tell people about electric shock drowning is we're, we're, we're finding that people that perhaps we had thought passed away through dr- uh, dr- simple drowning, they, there's more cases of where electricity had a role to play in those deaths. So we want to tell folks, especially if you're in your marina, obviously never, never, ever uh, swim in a marina, but uh, even if you have a, a, a dock, a private dock, we don't recommend that anybody swim near a dock with electricity. And the challenge is, <clears throat> you know, a lot of lakes, a lot of waterways, uh, you may have a dock with electric- without electricity and somebody does next to you, but the homes are all together. Together. Can you trust that everybody is properly maintaining that AC wiring on the dock? That's where people, you know, as the question marks start to start, to, the, the, the alarm bells start to ring, and the answer is oftentimes you don't. So we're telling people to prevent uh, an electric shock drowning. The simplest thing you can do is install a ground fault uh, protection device, uh, an ELCI, on your boat. Um, there's other things you can do to uh, bring this, if it's not already top of mind with the marina that you're in, but docks and, and power pedals need to have ground fault interruption, much like uh, that little uh, switch in your in your home uh, bathroom that prevents uh, current, uh, if it senses a, a problem in the current, it immediately shuts it down. Also, just don't swim. Post no swimming signs if you have a home dock, that it's not, you know, no swimming around the dock. 
Um, ask your doc folks, as I said, if they maintain it and can they do an inspection and get somebody in there who really knows doc wiring. It's not always quite the same and it's simple. The challenge here is, is currently a lot of different electrical codes out there say a lot of different things. <clears throat> there is a great group uh, that's trying to work towards a national standard on electrical dock uh, in wiring installations, but, but for now it's not there. So test your boat and test your dock if you have one at home for electrical le leakage. Get a professional in there to do it at least once a year. Um, and, and, and be aware that you know it's it's a tricky thing. Um, it doesn't happen in salt water uh, because the current with the the current goes around a swimmer in the water when it's salt water. But there's so many parts of the world. I live on the Hudson River where some days it's more brackish than others. We get a good rain in, and once you get a good rain in that waterway, it's more fresh water, and that could potentially increase the the chances of uh, of, of a bad wiring problem becoming something much more worse. So. <clears throat> And, and what happened, the bottom line is what happened in the Ohio incident is the mother simply grabbed the shore power cable and pulled it out of the boat. Uh, I don't know the investigation, how, where, the, where the fault was found eventually, whether it was on the dock or the boat, but she was able to pull that out. And if they had had a, a, a fault interrupter, uh, that would have taken care of its problem. So be, you know, inspect your cables. Make sure you're very clear that your cables are, are not degraded. They're not rusty. Look at those ends of your shore power cables. They shouldn't have any black on them. They shouldn't have any frayed wires. Replace it. Don't even, don't even guess. The moment you see something like that, simply replace it and you'll be better off. Um, and and that just, uh, that's just a message for everybody out there. And folks, uh, you know, about the crime ring, there's a, we got word that uh, there's a big theft ring uh, going on right now. We wanted to tell folks about that. There's some, there's some folks, we don't know if they're organized and working in concert, but we know that this issue started down in Florida of uh, yep, particularly two things. Yamaha outboards, believe it or not, uh, they're a great outboard, and that's probably why, and Garmin Electronics. And these, these, these items started disappearing at an alarming rate. And <clears throat> what we've found since then is this has gone really across the country. Uh, we've seen this happen in other parts of uh, it started along the I-95 corridor, but it's now, now it's gone everywhere in New York, Texas. Um, people, some bad people are targeting specifically these things, boat storage facilities, marinas, anytime they know where uh, they can easily get access and not be noticed. The challenge here is these folks are professionals. They really know what they're doing. So all we ask is, you can really just try to prevent it happening to you. I, I don't want to be unrealistic and say we're going to stop crime, uh, but you can do some things that, that help slow a thief down. Uh, look at your helm electronics. Uh, how hard are they to pull out? Look at your, look at your dinghy outboard. Uh, does it have a little nut on it that, that would slow down somebody because they have to find a special key to unlock that outboard? Um, look at your look at where the boat's stored. Uh, you know, loopers are, are really probably more aware of this than anything else of their surroundings, and and they probably do a better job. But you know, you want you want to you want to try to stay in places that have lots of light, motion operated lighting, single access gain to gain entry. Uh, these, those are all things of, of, a, of a marina or a, or a boatyard or a boat club that, that should have 24-hour surveillance. Make, make, make it harder to, to have things walk away, to have electronics be stolen. Engrave them. You know, post a warning on your boat that everything's engraved. That includes your outboard, too, if you've got one on the dink. Um, have a list. My goodness, have a list of everything on your boat and don't keep it on the boat. An inventory list that includes manufacturer, serial number, 
and take plenty of pictures. Keep that. That's very important. Uh, be wary of suspicious questions. I know. I know loopers are around the you know the country and they don't always know the locals. That's a little harder to know, but uh, you know don't be sharing uh, th that that you can get into a facility a certain way with a certain access code. Uh, that's that's not good. And uh, you know you may also want to consider a boat tracking device. There's a lot of today that work with your cell phone that can instantly sound alarm if if it, they're what we call geofenced. If something goes amiss, you'll know you'll know it sooner. Um, there, there's other things you can do. Share, you know, we tell folks talk about it. Don't be silent. Say, hey, I've heard about this. What are you doing aboard your boat? If we can stop one theft, then we then we've gained. Um, so 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 don't be shy. You know, next time you see somebody <clears throat> probably doing something that makes them a, a real target for a thief to come in, let them know and, and say, hey, you may want to do that. They they'll appreciate it. They'll appreciate it the day when uh, the marina is, somebody comes through a marina and takes every every outdrive except their own or, or, or targets at the Yamaha outboard, but those but theirs isn't stolen because they weren't a prime target for thieves. That's great advice on both of those topics, um, and we, we always like to bring safety issues to light. Um, so we hope everyone listening takes precaution with their property that's on their boat. Um, but the electric shock drowning is, of course, um, a heartbreaking issue when, when something does go wrong. And uh, because it's not prevalent in salt water, it creates an extra worry for me for our loopers whose home waters are salt water because I think they're right. much less aware of the issue. And as they travel and get into the fresh water, this, this is a real serious issue. I know um, myself, my boating has all been in Charleston, but 20 years ago when I started boating, I had never heard of that. And it was several years of boating in small trailerable boats um, yep. before I heard about the issue, which to me is just really worrisome because um, just because you're not keeping your boat at a marina doesn't mean you're not going to run into an issue when you stop for fuel or whatever it might be. Um, so we've covered that topic before, but thank you for bringing that to the forefront again, because I think it's so important. And there, there are too many people who just aren't even aware that's an, that it's an issue. So thank you for that. Um, yep. We're just about out of time. Any other um, current events or, or thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up? Well, uh, just a little little heads up. We uh, we just opened another port on the Great Loop, Towboat U.S. Starved Rock, uh, Illinois. It's actually in Ottawa. It's I believe it's west of Chicago. Uh, we got uh, another Towboat U.S. Uh, Starved Rock uh, location opening. We have uh, the largest on the water towing fleet, and I I hope everybody uh, uh, considers having uh, on water uh, unlimited towing with Towboat U.S. We help a lot of looters. <laughs> Looters, a lot of hoopers every year. Uh, I must be on the I must be on the crime talk still in the, the back of my thing, brain. Yeah, yeah but uh, we help a lot. Obviously, the ICW always has the shoaling problems that everybody knows about. Uh, everybody's encouraged if you're on the, uh, anywhere, especially the ICW, unfamiliar waters, and you really want a little heads up of what you're going to be hitting up the next day uh, or the next few hours. You're always welcome to reach out on VHF 16 to any of our towboat US locations for local knowledge. Shoals often shift. Uh, quickly, so uh, we, we we're glad to share local knowledge. Use us as a friend. We we don't we don't want to see a uh, have a bad day on the water. Uh, we want to keep people into boating. We want to keep you going on the on the loop on your journey and and use us. Use us for for for, for what we know in the local area. Absolutely, and I hear that a lot, but I, I think some people still aren't aware of it that you can call um, Boat US for that local knowledge. That is so important in some of these areas prone to shoaling. So that's a great tip, and I hope everybody kind of um, takes advantage of that. Also, want to point out that um, our members get a discount on their Boat US membership. It's 50% off of the basic annual membership dues. So if you're a member, just log into the website at greatloop.org. 
go to the member resources area and there's a discounts page and um, Boat US membership is there. You can get the reference code to get 50% off of your basic membership. So that's, uh, I think, a $50 Wonderful. savings. So that is great. Um, yep. Scott Croft, the Vice President of Public Affairs for Boat US, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of that great information. We appreciate it. Hey, I, I want to follow in everyone, every listener's footsteps. I'm a little young to head out on the loop yet, but it's not that far away. So uh, I envy everybody who's listening today, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, and you're never too young. We're seeing more and more people figuring out how to do it before retirement. So, and I'm hoping to be in that category as well. <laughs> I hear you. Thank you so much. We appreciate your time. For our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.